0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 18. Let me tell you about a scenario that I have found myself in several times as a pastor. Someone asked to meet with me, and they come in, And they lay out some hard situation in their life. And they tell me this story. And usually the story will have uh, someone else who has done something wrong to them. And, And the story ends something like this. I know the Bible tells me to forgive people. But this is an exception to that, right? That's basically what it comes down to in a lot of those meetings. I know that the Bible says I'm supposed to forgive others. Um, but, but I don't have to do that here, right? Well, let's just consider these words from Jesus. Peter comes up to him in Matthew 18, 21 and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. You can almost see Peter patting himself on the back here. Seven times. So magnanimous. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus here preaches a message of radical forgiveness and goes on to tell a story that we'll come back to in a moment. And we see later that we are commanded in the New Testament to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So that seems to be the clear command of the Bible. Are we going to listen to it or not? And that really brings us back to the beginning of the chapter. When the disciples come to Jesus and ask, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so there you see Jesus commending the attitude of children. And he's not commending uh, children for everything they do. Even other passages talk about, hey, I put away childish things and we're not supposed to be childish in our thinking. He clearly in verse four is praising the humility of a child. That there is a, a humble dependence that is natural uh, amongst children, that, that children tend to have a dependence on their parents. They know that they need their parents. And while, yes, children can have their uh, rebellious attitudes, uh, even from an early age, you see kids looking to their parents for answers, looking to their parents for instruction. And Jesus is saying, hey, you've got to be humble and dependent uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Basically, this is another expression to describe what we saw all the way back in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those with a humble, childlike faith. So let's just take that humble, childlike faith and apply it to what Jesus says. Uh, I don't say to you seven times to forgive your brother, but 77 times. What would it look like to respond to that statement with a humble, childlike faith? I think it's going to look like radical forgiveness, even when it doesn't make sense to you trusting in Christ. And that's where some might say, well, how can I forgive if the other person isn't repentant? Well, that's where I would draw maybe a distinction between forgiveness and real reconciliation. And it does take two people to bring about reconciliation. You you can't just unilaterally bring reconciliation a lot of the time. But you can, I believe, unilaterally forgive or at least be ready to forgive. I think of it this way. Sometimes the the radical forgiveness that Jesus calls us to, I think of it like writing a check Um, and you write a check, but that check doesn't do anything until the person that you've given the check to deposits it. And so when you're thinking of others that have done something wrong against you, I want to encourage you to write the check in your own heart to say, hey, this person has done wrong against me, but I have written the check. I am ready to forgive that person. And it's really going to be up to them to cash the check. But you should have that attitude of forgiveness, a readiness to forgive. And you should do that with a humble, childlike faith that, hey, this is what God tells me to do. I'm going to trust in him. Now, let's highlight a few things about this chapter. We see that commendation of a humble childlike faith at the beginning. And we also see a warning about causing others, especially using that image of child, uh, these little ones to sin. And and even uh, it talks about it would be better uh, for someone to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how Jesus, how seriously Jesus takes temptation. And it talks about those who tempt others. And if you just think about it, Any responsible adult has a greater guard on their words and their actions when they're around children. I mean, even some people who are pretty profane will have the sense to clean up even their language around young children. That's maybe some element of common grace still in our world, that that people have a sense sometimes, and sometimes you see wickedness so great it has no respect for this. But many times, even amongst non-Christians, you do see, hey, that there is something still to be protected about children. And, and that is kind of what this is saying is, should be our attitude all the time, especially around other Christians. I do not want to cause one of these little ones, one of these ones who have put this childlike faith in Christ, I don't want to cause them to stumble. And so when I'm around others, especially other Christians, I want to guard my mouth. I want to guard my actions. And I want to be careful that I don't do something foolish or reckless that would lead someone else into sin. That's just not what I I, I want to be About You also see the parable of the one lost sheep, and we'll see this expanded more in this idea, uh, this idea expanded more upon in Luke 15, but you see the heart of God, uh, as it says in verse 14, that not one of these little ones should perish. So you see even the value that God puts on every life, the value that God puts on every soul, and how serious God takes it when we cause others to sin. Now we come to another critical section of Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, which gives you a track to run on if someone sins against you talks about going and telling your brother their fault between you and him alone. And if that doesn't work, then you go and you bring others and eventually you tell it to the church. And this would describe a process that we would refer to as church discipline, where eventually you send someone out of the church because of their unrepentant sin. Um, And notice, remember Matthew 16, where Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, here he uses that same language to talk about church discipline in verse 18. So you can see it does not mean that the apostles and the people that come after them get to make up whatever they want. And well, then that's what heaven says too. No, it's when they are acting on really the authority of, of scripture um, th- that that there is authority to that, even in something like church discipline. Now, some things to note about this. Uh, the goal of this whole process here is to win your brother. And that's what it says there, even in the first verse. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So I want to encourage you, if you ever feel like, man, there's someone I need to confront, is your goal to get them or is your goal to win them? I think that can make a big difference even in how we go about uh, doing that. And that's something to check our hearts on. Uh, Another thing, when we take this passage that that walks through this process of church discipline and we compare it to all of the rest of the Bible, I I think we need to be honest about some things. There's going to be times, probably, where you do step one and the, the person doesn't agree with you, and that's the end of the process because some sins are clearer than others, and and some sins are a bigger deal than others, as we see in the scripture, right? right? There's going to be all kinds of ways in church where we have a bunch of sinners together where where someone might say something that was inconsiderate, um, and you might go to that person and say, hey, you said this thing to me, and I want to let you know, it was really inconsiderate for you to say that. And they might not understand that. They might not get defensive. I don't think you should then, well, we're going to walk through this process and kick the person out of the church because they they said something kind of inconsiderate to me. I mean, one place where we see this being applied is in first Corinthians. And the issue there is very clear sexual immorality where, where Paul says, Hey, you need to kick this person out of The church. And I also think it's interesting that this process of church discipline is listed right before this whole section on forgiveness. Again, emphasizing the forgiveness that we should have as Christians. So in a community full of sinners, and we'll see this in, especially in the epistles, there's going to need to be a lot of grace, a lot of patience towards others, and a lot of forgiveness towards others. But there will be times where there is clear sin and you need to go and, and, and confront and you need to take someone else with you. And eventually you need to say, hey, when this is clear, unrepentant sin, Well, then something needs to be done according to God's word. And there needs to be uh, not a fear to do that because look at, again, the authority that that we're reminded of. And so we shouldn't apologize for doing what God's word says. In a world where any kind of discipline seems harsh, these words should encourage, hey, when we do see clear unrepentant sin, the church should act on that. And God has their back when they act on that. Uh, so that's an important section of scripture there. And then it leads us back to where we started with forgiveness. And what we haven't looked at yet is this incredible story. And this is something that I really want you to take to heart today, because maybe as you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking of a way someone else has wronged you and you are still angry about it, still bitter about it. Read this parable. And and realize you in this parable are the one who has been forgiven this unfathomable amount by the Lord. The Lord has pardoned your sin through Jesus Christ. That should lead you to have a radical attitude of forgiveness towards others. Because there is no offense they could commit against you that compares to the debt that you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And notice at the end of the parable, uh, it's the one who had been forgiven that then would not forgive his brother. He ends up in jail. He ends up uh, in, in the prison here. And when you fail to forgive, you're the one that ends up in jail. I know sometimes it's tempting for us to think, man, this person, I don't like what they've done. I'm going to punish them by not forgiving them, right? Well, that's not how it works. You're the one that ends up in jail because your bitterness is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt them. Uh, among other reasons, then you have God. He he does not like that. So I want to encourage you today. Is there something in your heart that you are holding on to? Is there bitterness towards another person. Is there someone that you know you are just not willing to forgive? Trust humbly, like a child, the words of Jesus Christ and follow his teaching to forgive that person. And maybe that person is not quite seeing or understanding what they've done. Write the check. or Write the check to them and hopefully in time, God will help them see what they have done. They'll cash that check and there can be real reconciliation. But when Jesus exhorts us, not just to forgive seven times, but 77 times, I, I want us to-, to listen to that and to apply that with humble and childlike faith. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.